It is the awesome NFL Tournament Strategy Show. We've got DFS Sports rolling right now. And I was kind of thinking right before we started while Jordan was doing the countdown, Neil, of what happened in last week's slate. And I was I have no recollection of it because now we've got NBA DFS going on. You know, it's like a million slates ago that we, that we last saw football. Uh, but we've got week seven to talk about here. We're here with a former Millie Maker winner, Neil Orfield. So I don't know. Do we say former? I guess nobody's really a current winner. Like nobody's winning at the moment. So once you've won once, you've won forever, I guess. But that's also why everybody should be following Neil on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. And also everything he says, we should, uh, we should be tuning in with uh, wide ears because Neil's, uh, Neil's giving out the good information. Uh, what do you remember about last week? Because I, I, don't, I don't recall it at all. I think I remember not going well. I remember that Lamar Jackson let me down. That's basically <laughs> all that I remember. He was, he was terrible. They put up like 35 points, right? I feel like they put up a ton of points and Lamar Jackson just did none of it. So I think that's, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all that I remember, I think. Yeah, I, I remember uh, the Ravens did score a bunch of rushing touchdowns and it was like all of the backups is like, hey, here's the third string running back, the fourth string running back, the fifth string running back, scoring touchdowns, not Lamar Jackson. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, a slate. Actually, I do, I do remember getting bailed out a little bit by the CD Lamb touchdown at the end of the slate. Not that it was something that became like a massive boon for me from a financial standpoint, but it became a thing where it was like, oh, I'm not totally getting my ass kicked on this slate because of a touchdown that happened in overtime of the last game on the slate. But that aside, we've got week seven to look ahead to today's show, sponsored by No House Advantage. Uh, Neil, any kind of overarching thoughts you have about week seven? If not, we could just uh, get right into the position by position. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be some games with huge spreads. Uh, I mean, I love the uh, the Chiefs-Titans game, which maybe I shouldn't because Alex has said on a couple pods now that he might fade that game because uh, it's likely to go to, to not go off and other games might. Um, but, you know, just looking at the the totals, it looks great on paper, at least. Uh, so I'll have some of that game. And then there are a few games that are just like huge spreads, like the favorite is going to put up 30 some points and the underdog is going to put up like 17. Um, so that kind of makes for an interesting slate, kind of a maybe a stars and scrubs kind of approach might work this week. Uh, still kind of figured that out. I haven't really done too many builds yet. But, yeah, it's pretty interesting seeing the huge totals for some teams and the huge spreads in some games. Yeah, so let's start. And also something else that uh, when we start talking about the quarterbacks here, it's a lot of teams on buys and a lot of good teams on buys. So that's one of the other things also that leads to these large spreads where there's uh, expected to be a lot of blowouts, but also the ownership, particularly quarterback, not that there's any massive chalk at the position, but we do have Patrick Mahomes, who's a little more popular than we would typically see from any one individual uh, quarterback. We've got him projected for 15.4% ownership on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he's projected for 14% ownership. So clearly the upside of Patrick Mahomes is significant, even if we haven't seen him have you know a Patrick Mahomes-type season. But he's playing against the Tennessee Titans defense that has not been particularly good this year. They got diced up by the Jets just a couple of weeks ago. And the total in this game is 57.5 points. So from that standpoint, it is expected to be the highest scoring game of the week by a very wide margin, what does that make you want to do with Lamar Jackson's tournaments? I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, sorry. Well, so the interesting thing about Mahomes is uh, looking at the wide receivers, Miko Hardman looks like he's going to be way over-owned this week. So I feel like this is a spot where Mahomes to, and maybe this is crazy to think this, but uh, Mahomes to Kelsey and Hill uh, might go a little bit under-owned because people are just going to, you know, look for a certain amount of Mahomes uh, in their in their builds. And they're just going to pair him with Miko Hardman. 
rather than going to Hill and Kelsey, or maybe in addition to going to Hill and Kelsey. So maybe single stacks with Hill or Kelsey won't be quite as chalky as the 14%, 15.4% projected ownership would make you think. Uh, So I think that's a way that you can be a little bit different is just going Mahomes to Hill, just going to Mahomes to Kelsey, won't be quite as high owned as including Miko Hardman in your stacks. Yep, I think that is uh, sensible. He does look like one of the more negatively leveraged receivers on both FanDuel and DraftKings today. Slightly less ownership on FanDuel, but still a negatively leveraged wide out nonetheless. So I think that certainly does make sense. Now we're getting some questions about Lamar Jackson. People coming in asking about his ownership for this week, which, by the way, we currently have it projected just under 10% on DraftKings. On FanDuel also projected just under 10%. He is one of the more positively leveraged uh, quarterbacks right now, according to our Boom Bust tool. Are you willing to go back to Lamar Jackson after he let us down in a pretty big way a week ago? I'm always willing to go to Lamar Jackson and certainly against the Bengals. Um, it's tough. I, I haven't figured out who I'm going to pair him with. Maybe maybe Hollywood Brown is the guy to go with there. Um, I actually didn't take a close look at Hollywood Brown yet. I saw that uh, Rashad Bateman looks like he is also sim- similar to Michael Hardman. Uh, going to be way overowned. Uh, this slate is is what we're expecting. Um, I'll probably still take some shots on Rashad Bateman just because he is so electric and he's inexpensive, which I guess is what everybody's thinking and why he's going to be overowned. Um, but Lamar Jackson, I feel like, yeah, you can pair him with Mark Andrews. Uh, Hollywood Brown might go a little bit overlooked due to Rashad Bateman uh, being in, in play this week and uh, people wanting to go there. You could also play Lamar naked. I mean, he could probably just run all over the Bengals. Um, you know, their implied team total, 26 points. Um, it would not surprise me if Lamar is running a bit. Uh, they're missing Latavius Murray this week. Probably doesn't matter because they've got three other running backs. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be playing Lamar naked. Some I'll be playing Lamar with receivers here and there. Um, I think he's, you know, you can always play Lamar Jackson, especially at 7,400. That's pretty cheap for Lamar. Yeah. And uh, he was even cheaper last week. And, and it was a kind of situation where I looked at it was like, Lamar Jackson is coming off, not just the best game of his career, but one of the best fantasy games we'd ever seen out of a quarterback. He was in a favorable matchup last week, at least from a point scoring perspective. Uh, but ultimately they just, they won fairly easily and he just wasn't the one who ended up finding the end zone. So that was something that really hurt his fantasy value. But yeah, once again, I have no issue going back to Lamar Jackson here. I think that he is likely going to be if not the one of the top scoring fantasy quarterbacks in the league this year. So whenever we start to see that price dip well below 8,000, he makes for a, a pretty good option. The other guy too, who is kind of the light version of Lamar Jackson, that is Jalen Hurts, who is $6,900 over on DraftKings on FanDuel. He's projected uh, at 8,300, a little bit over-owned. So there's a difference on Jalen Hurts between FanDuel and DK, where DK he looks to be one of the more under-owned quarterbacks at his price point. Fandle a little bit overowned, I think mostly because he's uh, picking up the same amount of ownership, but he's also uh, more expensive. So how do you view Jalen Hurts as being different across Fandle and DK? I mean, I guess uh, that just, it, it makes more sense then to go over the field on DraftKings, under the field on FanDuel. That's, that's kind of how I play is I, I base a lot of my decisions on the ownership of the players um, just because there's so much variance in football that uh, I think that you can take advantage of um, people being overconfident in spots and, and uh, lacking confidence in other spots, I guess. So I feel like if he's going to be under-owned on DraftKings, yeah, I'll just play him more on DraftKings, less on FanDuel, uh, take advantage of those differences with Jalen Hurts. I, I like the price tag. I don't think I'm going to have a ton of Jalen Hurts. I mean, maybe a little bit over 10%, which I, maybe, maybe that is a ton, I guess. Uh, I like the spot. Um, it should be a close game. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
uh, exactly. Maybe I'll pair him with Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard's looking like he's going to be pretty heavily owned. Um, you could play him with Devontae Smith. Uh, but yeah, you can always play. And you can play Jalen Hurts naked as well, obviously. Um, so yeah, I like the spot for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and then uh, we always have to uh, we always have to give a shout out to El Negro Loco, the news god, who does all all the best work for us in our now premium Discord chat. By the way, there are some people who are asking how to get into the Discord chat, so we have moved a lot over from uh, Slack to Discord. If you guys are, are an Awesome Plus member and you're having trouble getting into Discord, send us a message over the uh, support email, uh, whether it's. Uh, El Negro Loco himself or Terry, they both do a really good job with customer support stuff. They're going to be able to help you guys out, get into Discord, uh, but don't sweat it. It won't be that easy to make. It won't be that difficult to make the uh, transition over. But also we did get a question from our guy, El Negro Loco, who's asking, do you like Joe Burrow on the other side of the Baltimore game? For me, uh, it's going to be a probably no. Uh, looks like he's picking up about 3% ownership on DK with a 1% chance to land the optimal lineup. FanDuel, just also 1% chance to land the optimal lineup. If you're playing a bunch of lineups and get to one or two Joe Burrow, that wouldn't be the end of the world, but he's very far from a priority play for me. Yep, I feel the same way. He's not a guy that I'm trying to get to. I might want a few. I, You know, I don't hate the spot. Baltimore has given up some big games this year, um, so they're not quite quite the defense they have been in the past, but uh, it's still not. I feel like there are other quarterbacks that I prefer over Joe Burrow, so I'm just not going to you know, force him in too much. So I, I'm, I have a quarterback that I am pretty curious to get your take on. It's because of some of the trade rumors, and that's a Tuatunga Vailola who is fairly cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings, only $7,100 on FanDuel. He's projected to be under-owned. DraftKings also, he looks like one of the best value quarterbacks on the slate at $5,500 when he's picking up very, very low ownership, but also with an 8% chance to land the optimal lineup. So I want to ask you with Tua, because he's still a quarterback, I believe, and from a talent perspective, he's still a young quarterback. He's dealt with injury issues. He hasn't really gotten a great opportunity yet, Uh, but he's also really cheap and nobody wants to get to him. I think a lot of that has to do with just some of the narratives around him that he could potentially be traded for Deshaun Watson. So I want to ask you, do you think that something could impact his performance? And do you like him as a value quarterback this weekend? Yeah, I like him a lot as a value quarterback against the Falcons, especially. Uh, that's another, he's another one that Alex has talked about on a couple of different podcasts. One I did w- with him yesterday on the contrary, and then uh, saw him on Peter Overzet's podcast as well. So uh, I, I, I listen, when I, when I, when Alex is on podcasts, I listen. <laughs> Alex really likes that game. Uh, so I like that game as well. Um, yeah, the, the trade rumors. If anything, I like it for him. Like, I feel like he's, he's, he really wants to prove himself. Now that's obviously a narrative thing. Like a lot of, a lot of the opto bros will kind of ignore that. <laughs> um, and it probably makes sense to ignore it for the most part, but sometimes I do feel like you can, you can uh, factor them in a little bit at least. And, and I, I don't think that it impacts him negatively to have these trade rumors uh, floating around. If he's not traded before the game, he's going to be the quarterback. I mean, 99.9% certainty. Um, so uh, unless there's a last minute trade or something that we don't hear about. Uh, so yeah, with, with these numbers, 5.4% projected ownership. I love that for Tua against the Falcons. Uh, that's really a spot that you can take advantage of. Um, I don't know. Who, who do you think that you're going to be pairing Tua with? That, that's the only struggle that I have right now is I don't really love any of the receivers. Um, it's, uh, it's just they're spread out, I think, for Miami. So I, I'm not entirely sure who I'm going to pair him with. Um, do, you, do you have a, a lean there? It's Jalen Waddle for me, and it's a little tough because he's projected to be a little bit overowned for us. But I do think that maybe that gets counteracted just by the fact that Tua is projected for such low ownership. And we've seen so far at least when Tua has been quarterback. He really seems to hone in on Jalen Waddle as his top as his top receiver. We saw Waddle get 
I don't even remember what the exact number was off the top of my head from last week, but I'll bring it up. But he was targeted a ton of times by Tua last week. He finished with, all right, so he wasn't super efficient with the targets, but he was targeted 13 times. He caught 10 of them for 70 yards and two touchdowns. If Tua is going to feel that comfortable with Jalen Waddell as his receiver, particularly on drafting from a point from a, a, a points per reception standpoint, if he's just going to throw him a, lot, a bunch of short routes and we could see Jalen Waddle, I don't care if he catches eight passes for 40 yards, like, and, and scores a touchdown on one of them. Still, I think he could do some damage from a PPR standpoint. So maybe Jalen Waddle as a stand out as a standalone wide receiver without Tua becomes less appealing of an option uh, just because he is over owned. But in terms of pairing him with Tua, that's where I think it makes sense. But is there anybody else that you'd be looking at? Well, first, let me, uh, I want to come back to that thought because I, I said I don't know who to pair him with because there are so many. And that's another thing that Alex brought up yesterday. He brought it up with the Cardinals that they're just so spread out. And that kind of lowers the ownership on all of the receivers. So it is a spot that kind of with both the, the Cardinals pass catchers and the Miami pass catchers, that might be a reason to go to them because you don't really know. But somebody's going to be scoring a lot of points for those teams, you would think. Um, so it kind of maybe it makes them more appealing in some ways, all the different receivers for Miami and Arizona that we can't really figure out who he wants to go to. But yeah, you're also right about Jalen Waddle. He's getting so many targets. You got to love that kind of that kind of volume uh, for any receiver. Um, other quarterbacks, Tom Brady's kind of interesting. Uh, no Antonio Brown this week means it's going to be pretty condensed. Obviously, the concern is that in a 30 to 17 um, kind of game, uh, they're going to be running it most likely kind of a lot. But if they don't, I mean, it's just Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both look really good. You can pair Tom Brady with both of them. He's got 10.4% top stack odds and only 5.2% projected ownership. Gotta love that. Um, the the guy that uh, Alex disagreed with me on this yesterday. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to bring him up again, but uh, with the caveat that Alex doesn't like it. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. I just feel like, you know, in, in that game environment, he's only projected for 4.6% ownership. It was 2.3% projected ownership yesterday. So that's part of the reason I really loved him yesterday is that's just so low um, for a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who can put up huge numbers. We've seen him do it before. The Chiefs are a terrible defense and a great offense, which is the kind of game environment that you love. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be playing some Ryan Tannehill. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll dampen it a little bit because Alex doesn't love the play, but uh and, and they should be down. That's the other, I, I feel like if they're down, presumably, I mean, they should be throwing it. They, they're not afraid to run it when they're down because they have Derrick Henry. Um, but could happen that they end up throwing a little bit more. So I don't hate the Ryan Tannehill play. Um, and uh, one more thing I'm going to add to tag on to your Ryan Tannehill thought. But we've got Derrick Henry projected for a bunch of ownership for this weekend. And for good reason. Derrick Henry is having a ridiculous fantasy season. But one of the ways that Derek, there's, there's two main ways Derek Henry fails. One of them is obvious. He just doesn't play well. That's the, that's the way any fantasy player could fail. The other way that he fails is if the Tennessee passing game ends up scoring the touchdowns. If it's, if it's Ryan Daniel throwing touchdowns to uh, AJ Brown, if he gets the shits out of his system, like that's one of the ways that we could see Derek Henry fail. So there is a little bit of leverage game there off of Derek Henry play just by going to the Titans passing game. Because not only is Henry projected to be, let's see, where is he at right now? So he's projected to be the second most popular uh, running back on the DraftKings slate. Daryl Henderson, the only one projected for more ownership on DK. On FanDuel, we currently have him projected a little bit lower in terms of ownership. But still, he's the fourth most popular running back on FanDuel. We've got Daryl Henderson, Daryl Williams, Leonard Fournette all projected for more ownership. But as in terms of a payup option on FanDuel, Henry's clearly the most popular. And, you know, if more value opens up by the time tomorrow, which we see happen all the time on Saturday nights when that Adam Schefter injury tweet comes out, 
then we'd see Derrick Henry's ownership potentially go up because he's the guy everybody wants to pay up for. So I'm going to agree with you just because I like the leverage that offers off of Henry by focusing on the passing game. Nice. Um, and then uh, the other two more quarterbacks that I just want to throw out there as really low owned guys who I think have, there are, there are arguments for them are just Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Um, they're just, they're cheap. They're low owned. I like the spots for both of them. I feel like, you know, who knows how New England is going to put up points against the Jets, but they should be able to score against the Jets. Wouldn't shock me if it's Mac Jones. Uh, and then Justin Fields should be having to throw a lot against the Bucs. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't hate the spot for, for Justin Fields against the pass funnel defense. Yeah. And then uh, one other thing, circling back on the Titan situation, hopefully AJ Brown stays away from Chipotle this week. Cause that's where he said that he got sick last week and he did nothing in the first half of that, uh, of that primetime game. And then ended up catching, it was like seven passes in the second half or something like that. So hopefully he's able to get himself healthy by the time tomorrow rolls around, but any other quarterbacks here that, that really stand out to you that you want to bring up before we head over to the running backs? Nope. I think we've covered them. Okay. So heading over to the running back position, I think this is a good spot to start. Let's start with Derrick Henry because we just talked about the Titans passing game and how you like Ryan Tannehill a little bit. I agree with you just because I think he makes for good leverage off of Derrick Henry. Now, I haven't decided what I'm going to be doing with Henry this week, but at least as of now in the initial build that I've done, I am a little bit underweight to Henry, which is always terrifying, especially this year for multiple reasons. Not only has he been an absolute monster, he's more involved in the passing game this year. So I do wonder a little bit where in previous years we've seen if the Titans get behind, Derrick Henry could kind of get scripted out of games where they'll go to a pass catching back. But that's not really the case as much this year because we've seen Derrick Henry get as many as six targets in the game. That was week two against the Seahawks. He's gotten multiple targets in all but one game this year. And the one game he didn't was because they won by multiple touchdowns against the Jaguars. So I'm kind of starting to think Derrick Henry is becoming a little bit more game script independent than he has been in the past. Uh, But how are you going to be handling Derrick Henry this week? Yeah, it is. It's a scary fade, but uh, I'm going to be definitely uh, under the field on Derrick Henry is my expectation, just because, uh, like you said, the, the tools don't love him. He's projected for nearly 20 percent ownership, but only a 12.2 percent boom probability, 14 percent optimal lineup probability. Um, that's just not the kind of running back that I like to have in my lineups. And on top of that, it's just he's so much more expensive than every running back. So when he's that expensive and he's going to be over owned, I just feel like he really needs to. Uh, put up a score way higher than the guys who are in the 6,000 range. There are a lot of guys so much cheaper than him um, that, you know, he might need to put up 40 points. And I feel like that's just not likely. I mean, even for Derrick Henry, maybe, maybe 30 points would be fine, but I feel like there are other running backs in good enough spots that some of them, you know, there are going to be three of them who put up scores that will require Derrick Henry to put up a huge score. So I feel like, uh, I'm going to go under the field. I'm not going to full fade him. That's, that's not really something I do very often, um, but I'm going to be under the field. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, particularly that price point on Fandle where he's going to be, well, let's see, we currently haven't projected for, I said for 17.6% ownership on Fandle. I find that 11,000 price tag to be really difficult to get to. And then you have to ask yourself realistically, like you said, you know, what does, what does the ceiling game have to look like at 11,000 where Derek Henry lands in an optimal lineup the reason that we have him projected to be way overowned, I don't think it's because anybody thinks that like, hey, this is Derrick Henry is not going to be able to run against the Chiefs. It's just he's so expensive on FanDuel and there's nobody priced anywhere near him that it's just hard to get to him. I think that's the main reason I didn't get to him in the optimizer is uh, just the price point on him. But then I'll ask you, what is what does your kind of player pool look like at running back? Is it something where you're going cheap a lot? Are you living in the mid-range a lot? Or is there's a little bit of a mixture? 
I would say mid-range by far is my my most prevalent is going to be my most. I, <laughs> I haven't done my builds yet, um, but I can tell just looking at the the running backs that I like that I'm going to be mostly living in the mid-range. I'll have some Aaron Jones who's a bit of a pay-up option. Uh, he just he looks really good in the tools. Only project for eight and a half percent ownership, thirteen point three percent boom. So I'll have some Aaron Jones against Washington for only seventy five hundred. Um, but other than him. Mostly there's going to be guys in the 5,000, 6,000, some range. I really, I really love uh, Daryl Henderson, Leonard Fournette, those kind of guys. Um, how about you? Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Daryl Henderson because he is currently projected for the most ownership on both DraftKings and FanDuel. I like him on DraftKings, less so on FanDuel, though, because number one, he's just crazy popular. 25% projected ownership for Daryl Henderson on FanDuel, and his salary has gone all the way up to 8,000. So I view Henderson as being a much different play on FanDuel versus DraftKings just because he's 8000 on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he is projected for less ownership and he's $1,400 less expensive. I understand the salary structures and everything are different, so it's maybe not necessarily always the end of the world if a player is more expensive on one side than the other. Than the other. But still, I mean, you look at our, our odds in terms of what we have projected. Daryl Henderson lands in the optimal lineup on DraftKings 20.4% of the time, over on FanDuel 15.6% of the time. So I don't know that he's going to be a guy that I'm way over the field on or anything like that. Like I said, we're currently having projected for right around 20% ownership. I expect that's ultimately where I come in on Henderson is somewhere in that, you know, 20 to 25% range. But FanDuel, I really don't have that much interest in when he's projected for 25% ownership at 8,000. So how are you viewing him on FanDuel as opposed to DraftKings? Yeah, so I'm 100% with you. And like there are spots where I feel like that can be an opportunity when a player is higher... uh, has a higher salary on one site than the other, it scares people away. And and sometimes that can be an opportunity to play a guy who's, you know, 4% on FanDuel when he's, you know, 30% on DraftKings, even though he's more expensive on FanDuel, I'd be more likely to go to him there. But this isn't one of those spots. I mean, that's not what the projected ownership is showing uh, in this spot. It's showing that he's going to be higher owned where he is also more expensive. So I'm yeah, definitely with you. I'm going to be having a lot of Daryl Henderson on DraftKings, uh, but I'll probably have less than the field on FanDuel. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. And then uh, somebody uh, also that I really like on both sites is uh, Daryl Williams. So still, I expect that he's going to be the go-to guy for, for the Chiefs. I was really surprised by the amount of workload that he got last week. I thought there would be other guys the Chiefs were going to look to mix into their offense because – you know, it's something we've seen them do a lot in the past. When a running back's out, we've we've seen times been like, oh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be the starting running back. It's like, oh, no, there was just three guys that each got five carries and were targeted a couple times. But Darrell Williams last week, 21 carries. He was targeted four times in the passing game. It was a game where ultimately they ended up winning 31-13. So who knows? That game was more competitive. He could have seen even more touches in the fourth quarter of that game. But we've talked about the total in this Chiefs-Titans game, 57 and a half. Darrell Williams, you're putting him in that kind of game environment with a cheap price point on both FanDuel and DraftKings. He's overall my favorite value play uh, across both sites in terms of a cheap running back. I thought he should have gotten priced up more. Uh, what do you make of him for this weekend? Yeah, I mean, he looks great in the tools. I'm, I'm still a little bit scarred because he was my most owned player in best <laughs> ball last year, and he just didn't do anything for me. I had so much Darrell Williams. I thought that he would, he would really, uh, even if he was the number two running back in that offense, I thought he'd have a lot of huge weeks, and he kind of let me down. I think maybe had a couple, um, but the tools really like him. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just it's a high total. He's not that expensive. If they're going to be feeding him the rock, uh, yeah, I'll play some Darrell Williams against the Titans. And it's also a leverage – leverage off of the Mahomes stacks. Um, so you kind of like that. Um, yeah. Also, I don't That's mind playing. 
Uh, yeah, uh, one other thing I was going to add, though, about I don't mind playing Darrell Williams with Mahomes. Just given that we saw Williams involved in the pass game a little bit last week, he ended up getting targeted, like I said, four times in the passing game. Keep in mind, that's a game where they ended up beating Washington 31-13. to 13. This is a game that's expected of 57 and a half total. It's also the Chiefs are playing on the road against Tennessee. So the, the, the spread for this game is only four points that the Chiefs are favored by. If at some point the Chiefs get behind in this game, don't be surprised if we see Darrell Williams end up getting targeted five, six plus times. So I don't mind him because of his pass catching ability in, in a potential stack with Mahomes, which is something I don't think the field is going to go to a whole bunch. So we talked about some ways to potentially get away from Nicole Hardman in stacks with Mahomes. And I think if you double stack Mahomes, either Kelsey and Hill or Darrell Williams, that would make sense. I usually don't try to target the running back quarterback combinations as much, but I think this one makes sense. Is, is that sensible to you? Yeah, for sure. If Mahomes is going to be throwing him the ball, they can hook up on a couple of touchdowns or just, you know, getting a lot of yards together. I think it makes sense to, to pair them if he's going to be catching passes. All right. So talking about some of the other running backs then this week, and uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about Leonard Fournette, who I have a feeling that you're going to be on this week because he is currently the number one overall leverage play on DraftKings in our tools. FanDuel, uh, not quite as much just because he's going to be so popular. Although, once again, he doesn't look to be problematically owned. We have 19% projected ownership, 19% chance to land in the optimal lineup. So I certainly like Leonard Fournette at 7,000 on FanDuel, but even more so, 6,400 for him on DK. I don't understand how he's only 11.8% owned, given the kind of role we've seen from Leonard Fournette with the Buccaneers this year. Ronald Jones hasn't played much of a role this year, especially not relative to expectations. This has mostly been a Leonard Fournette backfield. I love Fournette this week. Could you talk me off him at all? Uh, maybe I could, but I'm not going to. I also love Leonard Fournette this week. I mean, the uh, 30 to 17 game expectation is just, it sets up really well for Leonard Fournette. Um, I don't know. I guess you, you could you could play him with Brady. Uh, it's not the same, same kind of thing as Daryl Williams where, where I really will uh, want to do it, but uh, he does catch some passes. He's, he's been surprisingly involved in the passing game this year. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like Fournette against the Bears. It's not a defense that I like really want to target usually, but in this kind of game environment, it just looks like he's going to have the volume. They're going to put up points. He'll have opportunities. Um, yeah, I'm going to like some Leonard Fournette. You mentioned you mentioned Ronald Jones as somebody who hasn't been very involved. Uh, you know, I like to get weird with these like backup running backs who are too cheap. I don't love any of them this week, but I'll probably have a few shares of Ronald jo Jones and even maybe uh, Giovanni Bernard just because of the game script being like, they, they could have some opportunities, you know, a couple opportunities in the first half. And then in the end, they're closing it out with their backup running backs. There were, there was a rumor. I read somewhere that uh, they said they're not going to trade Ronald Jones. There were trade rumors involving Ronald Jones. Um, and they said they're, they're not willing to do so. So maybe they, maybe they want to get him more involved. Uh, that's just pure speculation. Um, but I wanted to also say that more than I like those guys, I like, I like Sony Michelle better just because he is more likely to have the opportunities uh, and they're playing against the lions who he should be able to carve up if he does get those opportunities. Um, so th th those are not plays that are, uh, that I probably should be recommending. <laughs> they're plays that I should just mention that I am going to get to some of these uh, cheaper backup running backs who will allow me to get to some of the more expensive receivers and quarterbacks. No, I, uh, especially, I mean, it, think if, We've seen Sony Michelle at times take some snaps away from Dallas Henderson. That would certainly be, it, it's not something I'm going to, but if there's some galaxy brain play type situation where Sony Michelle somehow ends up scoring one or two of the touchdowns, that's directly going to come from Daryl Henderson, who's going to be a super popular play, uh, particularly over on FanDuel. Uh, is there anything else you're really looking at as, as a core play for you at the running back position? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Chase Edmonds, James Conner both look pretty good. Um, Chase Edmonds, you know, he's the one that <laughs> that you want to play again because of the, the game script. I mean, they they should just be crushing the Texans. Uh, most likely, they'll be running it out. So I like both Chase Edmonds and James Conner at fifty six hundred. Um, Damian Harris. I feel like it's a very similar spot to two weeks ago against the Texans. And I was way over the field on Damian Harris in that spot against the Texans. I expect to be again this week, two weeks ago. It didn't quite work out. He, he scored a touchdown early, looked like he was going to smash. And then he fumbled it on the one yard line. It was a touchdown, got ruled back, ruled a fumble. That was worst case scenario for me. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to go back to it. He had 18 carries last week against Dallas. And I would expect him to have plenty of opportunities against the jets. So I like Damian Harris. Um, the tools really like Mike Davis. Uh, again, this is the the game that Alex loves. Uh, Mike Davis only fifty two hundred. Tired of this guy, Mike Davis. I'm yeah, me too. Yeah. Believe me, he's on my dynasty team. He has been letting me down over and over. Uh, but you know, if the, the tools like him enough that I'm going to give him a shot against the Dolphins for fifty two hundred. Yeah, it's. I don't even know what to make of uh, what what to make of him at this point. I mean, Mike Davis has. By the way, also. Some, something that's kind of weird is that so FanDuel, if everybody's noticed, has now added multi-position eligibility for basketball. They've added it for football as well, but most players just don't have multi-position eligibility because it's football. Most guys just play one position. The one guy who randomly has multi-position eligibility on FanDuel is Corderell Patterson, has wide receiver and running back eligibility, 8,000. Uh, the, the relevance to the conversation here with Mike Davis, I don't really, I'm not really interested in Mike Davis all that much this week. And the main reason has been because Corderell Patterson has just outplayed him entirely when they've when they've both been on the field and Cordero Patterson's involved in the rushing game he's involved in the passing game they've done what they could to try to get him the ball I'm not interested in paying eight thousand dollars for him on FanDuel but he's picked up enough of a role and he's outplayed Mike Davis point that I just don't know if the snaps are going to be there consistently enough for Mike Davis so despite what some of our data and tools say on the site I gave up on Mike Davis quite some time ago People want to keep going after it and chasing it. I understand. I, I liked him the first couple of weeks of the season for a, for a reason, and some of those reasons still exist. But the other thing also that I kind of think we have to consider here is that Mike Davis hasn't played a ton in passing situations, and the Falcons are losing all the time. And, you know, maybe this is a game that could be more competitive because they're also playing against uh, a, a team in the Miami Dolphins that's been losing in a lot of their games. So this should be more competitive than a lot of the other Falcons games we've seen. But I think the risk there with Mike Davis is just if they get behind by a touchdown or something, he just doesn't end up playing in the second half. Yeah, I understand that. I told, I told you before, uh, before the stream, Greg, that I am home alone this weekend, take, taking care of my dog by myself, <laughs> who is usually my wife's shadow. And now he's my shadow. He is below me right now, pawing at me and, begging for something. I don't know what it is. So sorry if I seem distracted for a second. He's, he's, uh, he's upset that you like Mike Davis. He, okay, yeah, I think that might any, be it. Yeah, I'm sure he's probably lost money playing Mike Davis this year as well. Uh, any any other running backs here that uh, you want to talk about before we move on? No, I think we covered them. All right, guys. Today's show is sponsored by No House Advantage. If you guys aren't familiar with No House Advantage, head on over to the site. They also have an app you could download. And this is a different way to play daily fantasy sports. It is totally peer-to-peer. It's prop-based contests. So you can get props and there's a whole list of them. There's over 500 props available on Noah's Advantage. We also have free projections for them over on awesome.com. It makes it really easy to identify what some of the best overall plays are over on No House Advantage. And so you build prop-based lineups, you give them a confidence interval of one to 10. If you're 10 point prop hits, that's 10 points for your lineup. The one point prop hits, that's one point. Uh, that's one points for your lineup. And there's also large field GPPs. There's a 
few thousand dollars going to first place in these. So there's real money to be won over at No House Advantage. But most importantly, if you're making your first deposit, use the promo code awesome and that'll get you up to a $25 bonus on that first deposit. So go check out No House Advantage. It is a different way to play daily fantasy sports. All right, moving over to the wide receivers now. And uh, let's start by talking about the Miko Hardman situation because he's somebody who you've already brought up as being a player who is a little bit overrun. So maybe people, maybe people tuned us out at the beginning. Maybe people are watching live and they just started uh, checking out. Maybe people tuned us out at the beginning. They're still tuning us out now, but that aside, uh, Miko Hardman is looking like one of the most overowned wide receivers on DraftKings this week, slightly overowned on FanDuel, not quite to the same extent, but still negatively leveraged on both sites. Uh, what do you think it is that's driving so much of the ownership towards him? And how are you looking to get off some of it? I mean, I think it's just the, the team total. People really like the game uh, against the Titans. It should be a high-scoring game. And then he's just so cheap. And he is presumably the number two receiver for the Chiefs. That's what we have been saying all year. Uh, I, I guess it's true, but they they spread it out, I think, beyond Hill and Kelsey so much uh, that he's just not getting quite the opportunities that we love. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be under the field if he's going to be 16% owned on DraftKings. Um, that's just a little bit too high. But I'm not going to fully fade him. I feel like he's, for me, he's kind of like a, a defensive play. Like, I don't want to get everything else right, but then Mikko Hardman puts up, you know, 150 yards and two touchdowns or something, and I'm just dead in the water because he's so high owned. So I'm going to have shares just to make sure that I'm not dead if he does go off. Um, but you could. I mean, I, I don't think it would be wrong to fade him when he has such a negative leverage score. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to be under the field for sure. I don't, I don't love it, um, but I get it. I, I get why people want to play him against the Titans. It's just he's getting to be too high owned at this point. And then let's talk about the other who's just massively over owned receiver. There's two players on uh, DraftKings today or for this weekend, not today, but at least as of the data on Saturday anyway that are picking up double-digit negative leverage, which I don't know that we've seen on a wide receiver this entire season yet on a Saturday. One of them is Michael Hardman. Those are Rashad Bateman, who a lot of people are really high on. He's somebody who the Baltimore Ravens used a lot of draft capital on. He's missed most of the season, uh, so we don't know exactly what his role is going to look like. And when I saw the ownership on Rashad Bateman this week, you know the first thing I thought was, Neil, is kind of how we viewed uh, Kyle Pitts early in the season. Whereas Kyle Pitts is like, hey, here's a really well-regarded prospect. He's picked up a lot of ownership. We have no clue what to expect from right off the bat. So he was one of the biggest busts we've seen of the season so far where, you know, week one, there was like 25% owned Kyle Pitts and he just wasn't involved in the offense. There seems to be this assumption that Rashad Bateman's going to be a go-to guy in the Ravens offense, which maybe could be the case, but people are already rostering as if that is for sure going to be the case. He makes for a good value play at his price point, but how much exposure do you actually want to get to him in tournaments? Yeah, I want to be under the field on Rashad Bateman. Um, I feel less strongly, I guess, about Rashad Bateman than Michael Hardman, just because he's so new that it's really hard to project for him. So, like, the, the tools don't love him, but that's it's a spot where our expectation is where he's not going to be super involved right away. But we have more of a sample size with Michael Hardman to just know that the field is over. Uh, overplaying him whereas i feel like rashad bateman is kind of in a spot where we don't really know they might want to get him uh involved right away uh and it is against <coughs> against cincinnati it's a good spot to try um i I'm, i keep saying that they're probably they're a better defense than i'm giving giving them credit for this year i think just because they've been uh so bad for so long defensively uh, i still want to pick on cincinnati um but i do think it's a spot where 
I'm going to be under the field. I mean, like you said, he's going to be, he's over-owned according to the tools. Um, the tools are pretty smart. So, uh, so I think I'm going to go under the field on Rashad Bateman, but I'm probably going to have more of, I'm probably going to be closer to the field with Rashad Bateman than Miko Hardman, uh, just because it's such an unknown spot. And I just don't want to get totally burned in that spot. How about you? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to see what this ownership looks like come tomorrow. Uh, I think that he is, uh, you know, cheap enough to where he makes for a sensible value play for cash games. I know this is a tournament show, but if people are playing cash games and they're listening to this, uh, don't be confused. I think for sure you play Rashad Bateman in cash games. Tournaments, I think I'm going to go underweight to the field on him. But with that said, I think this offers really, really good leverage situations. Uh, for example, we have... Hollywood Brown, who has not been able to catch passes this year. There's been so many situations where he has the opportunity to make a big play and the ball just goes through his hands. I think that making stacks with Lamar Jackson with Hollywood Brown instead of Rashad Bateman, that makes a whole lot of sense. I think you could go to Mark Andrews, who at the tight end position, I mean, there are some options. We can know Travis Kelsey is always going to be a good play at tight end, and he's not projected for all that much ownership. But Mark Andrews also only project for 6.6% ownership. So I think that I'm probably more apt to play Rashad Bateman as a one-off play in, in stacks that don't involve Lamar Jackson. But when I have lineups with Lamar Jackson, I kind of like the idea of pairing with Hollywood Brown or Mark Andrews as opposed to Rashad Bateman, because it wouldn't surprise me if Bateman's the third receiver on the team this week and is third in targets. And if that's the case, we get great leverage on some of these other guys. So I know that Mark Andrews is a tight end, and I don't want to mix the positions too much. But what do you make of, of Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown as, as, as leverage plays off of Bateman? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I'll, I'll be doing a lot of the same um, just because there's so, so many of the Lamar lineups are going to be paired with Bateman, uh, similar to Michael Hartman. I feel like it's just a spot where you play the other guys, uh, you can get a quarterback who is uh, even lower owned paired with those other receivers. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. I'll, I'll have Lamar Jackson probably more with Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, than Rashad Bateman. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's kind of how I'm viewing the two chalk situations there. That is uh, Rashad Bateman and Mecole Hardman in terms of the uh, way over on receivers. And then the other chalk of the slate that we have in terms of a uh, more expensive wide receiver, maybe a little bit underpriced, Calvin Ridley projected for 14% ownership on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he's projected for 22.6% ownership at a $6,600 salary. So that's a game that we've talked about that overall does set up pretty well in terms of game script. It's a game that uh, you said Alex really liked as a potential stack between the Falcons and the Dolphins. Calvin really individually does look a little bit over-owned on DK, but here's where I really like him. We've talked about Tua being an under-owned quarterback. In lineups where I'm going to be getting to Tua, maybe pairing with Jalen Waddle. I don't mind the ownership on Calvin Ridley as a run back on the other side because the ownership we've already talked about on Tua is so, is so low. People don't want to play him with all the trade rumors going on, at least in, in our current ownership run. So I think that's the situation where it makes most sense to get to Ridley as in lineups as a run back with, with Tua or potentially Matt Ryan as a quarterback. Uh, what do you make of all the ownership going to Ridley this weekend? Yeah, I think I'm with you. He makes a lot of sense uh, in the in the stacks of that game, uh, particularly with Tua at quarterback. Uh, actually, both quarterbacks are not too high owned. So yeah, he makes sense uh, in that game uh, if you're stacking that game. He's also, I mean, we say he's negatively leveraged, but he's still 16.1% likely to be in the optimal lineup and 19% boom score. So it's not like he's he's not like a Mikkel Hardman where it's like those numbers are so low that uh, you know he's unlikely. He's 
overowned, but not like to such an extent that you really want to get away from him. Um, maybe I'll want to play somewhere around that 16 to 18%, uh, just get a little bit under the, under the field, just because he's overowned, but not by a huge amount because he is still likely to put up a really good score for 6,600. Um, I'm kind of surprised by the ownership. I feel like he's been pretty big letdown this year. Uh, but I guess the field's pretty smart. The field has, uh, you know, knows what he should be doing and will be playing him accordingly. Uh, yeah, I think that's also a thing where people just, number one, a lot of people rely on projections more than they did in the past. So I think people are, are less scared away by the recent week performances. And we're just looking at, hey, we have one of the best wide receivers in football priced only $6,600 on DK. That's cheaper than people normally see Calvin Ridley. And then same goes over on FanDuel, where Calvin Ridley's 7300 a guy who saw, you know, priced like 8000 plus for most of last year. But on the flip side, you talk about a receiver who struggled this year that people aren't afraid to get to. How about Cooper Cup, who is $8,400 on DK, so he's been priced way up. But now because of that, people aren't rostering him. We've now got ownership on him on the teams. He is the number one leverage wide receiver play on the week. Cooper Cup has been exceptional this year. I think the only question really becomes with him is, is, is his salary problematic? Now that he's been priced up to $8,400 on DK. On Fandle, we have Cooper Cup priced at $8,800. So we certainly become more expensive. I'm going to be getting there anyway, though. He does look under-owned in, in our data. But do you think that you're going to find the price point at all problematic when it comes to Cooper Cup? Not at all. He's a player that I'm going to be playing a lot. I mean, like you said, the, the tools really like him. I guess the 8,400 price tag is just scaring people away. Maybe Cooper Cup hasn't been this good long enough that people are willing to buy in. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just, he's likely to pay off that price tag according to 31.4% boom probability is huge. I love that for Cooper Cup. 23.8% uh, optimal lineup probability. That's just massive. Um, yeah, you... Cooper Cup is not bad chalk. In my opinion, he's going to be good chalk. Um, and then also, as long as we're talking about Cooper Cup, I should also mention Robert Woods looks great in the tools. Only projected for 7.7% ownership, 17.2% boom probability, 11.8% optimal lineup probability. Uh, I really like that. Um, are you going to be playing? We didn't really talk about Stafford, did we? I feel like... Uh, the top stack school likes him. Both the court, both the wide receivers look great. Do you think he'll be doing any stacks with Stafford? Yeah. So a, a couple of things, actually, uh, I, this was going to be my next point that I want to bring up. So good thing you, you read my mind here is so earlier we talked about, particularly on FanDuel, all the ownership, it's going to Daryl Henderson at 8,000. I think double stacking Stafford with Cooper cup and Robert Woods is a really strong way to go about building tournament lineups this week. Not only because you get obviously up, you get obvious upside on, on all those guys, but also you're just getting a tremendous amount of leverage off of Daryl Henderson, who's looking over-owned on FanDuel, and then you got the wide receivers who look good. Stafford looks good. So I think that's a really good way to go about build lineups, and uh, that's actually going to be, I'll, I'll tease a little bit for the end, is you know we finish the show every week by doing what's our favorite single-entry top stack of the week. Mine is a double stack, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods with Matt Stafford. You don't have to reveal yours now because we got to tease the people with something so that they stick around to the end. You know We don't want to let them just uh, you know, find out all the information now and then they turn off the show, but uh, that, right. that's where I'm, that's where I'm going to be going with my stack. I like that. Are you, do you think you'll be doing a run back in that stack? Uh, let me look at, cause I have, like I said, I have built some lineups already. Um, the thing that's really difficult about it. So I'm just going to pull up my Stafford lineups and see who I ran it back with on the other end is some of the games this week, like we just don't have much precedent for this from a DFS standpoint. I can't remember a game where we have the Rams are favored by 16 points. The Cardinals are favored by 18 points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are favored by 13 points. 
We've got the Packers as a big favorite by eight points, but to a lesser extent. I just can't remember this many games with such one-sided spreads. And with the Lions, I'm thinking maybe like I'm on St. Brown just because he's a rookie and I don't feel like I have to be too concerned about whether he's going to come off the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, there's going to be a lot of garbage time potentially for the Detroit Lions here. So I, I want to get to somebody as a runback just for garbage time, but it's a little hard to know you know, which guys are actually going to be on the field. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Jared Goff might not play in the second half. I think that's a very realistic possibility given some wow. Dan Campbell's. I mean, did, did you see Dan Campbell's quotes about him last week? I did not. Was it that bad? Yeah, so after the game, he was asked, well, what's wrong with the team? And he basically, in, he said, he said, our quarterback needs to play better. And <laughs> I think if you just look at the spread of this game, it, they're not going to be winning in all likelihood, right? They're, 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 it's, it's more than two touchdowns that they're underdogs by. I, I don't see any reason that they wouldn't at least potentially try somebody out in the second half if it gets to that point. So I, I'm, I'm still trying to look at the wide receiver situation and be like, all right, who do I know is going to be on the field and potentially get targets? And just because St. Brown is such a good possession receiver, he could just crush in garbage time and be somebody like, hey, he caught, he caught like 12 passes for 60 yards or something like that. And it's just all, you know, short garbage time. So that's the guy that I'm looking at the most to run back option. But I don't have an issue with going with, with, with uh, Ram sacks with no run back either. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I've just, I'm, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of chatter from some sharp people on Twitter about how you don't really need the run back with your, with your quarterback stack. Um, I still mostly play run backs. I, I make exceptions here and there, but I still mostly play run backs. Um, but that's something that I'm probably going to be looking into more because I have seen some sharper players saying that it's not really required to do run backs. And that is a spot where it would be tough. It's just, you know, I don't love any of the Lions uh, runbacks, but at the same time, uh, it'd be hard for Matthew Stafford to get there if they're not putting up any points for the Lions. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation this week. I think I'll mostly be playing some runbacks, uh, but that is a spot where I think, like you said, it makes some sense. You don't necessarily need to. Yeah. And also some people in the chat are saying DeAndre Swift is a potential runback. I also think that's sensible. The only thing is, though, when uh, when bringing up the potential DeAndre uh, Swift situation Number one, he is listed as questionable. He is expected to play, but uh, I'm still a little bit concerned with that he continues being get, getting listed as questionable. He doesn't seem to be 100%, and the Lions just keep getting their asses kicked in some of these games. You know, I think there's a chance that maybe they just go a little bit deeper into the depth chart. So I'm certainly going to be getting some exposure to DeAndre Swift as a runback, but I think I'm going to be getting to St. Brown a little bit more, especially considering that we have a little bit of ownership going to DeAndre Swift this week. It's not like he's some you know, massive contrarian option. We currently have Swift projected for uh, 14% ownership over on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he's projected for, and also he's 7,100 on FanDuel without the uh, PPR bonus. He's 11.1% projected ownership. So I I'm going to be looking to go a little bit more contrarian with the runback stack. But if you have Swift in some of those lineups, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, but let's talk about some of the other wideouts here. And we are uh, we are starting to run short on time because there's a whole bunch of shows coming up after us today, guys. Uh, we've got the, the YouTube channel never stops. Only reason you guys should like this video. Also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you've not done it already. We've got the NASCAR strategy show today. We've got the NBA deeper dive, NBA live before lock. And then also a whole bunch of other shorter sponsored shows. So you want to be subscribed so you can check all that out. But any other wide receivers that you really think that people should be knowing about this weekend? Yeah, let me quick fire some wide receivers that I like. Uh, we don't we don't need to get too in depth, but I'll just name some names that I like. 
Uh, kind of like DeAndre Hopkins, but even more so, I like Rondo Moore, AJ Green, Christian Kirk. Um, DJ Moore remains, still looks really great in the tools uh, against the Giants. So I'll be playing some DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, uh, despite watching him last week and watching him drop pass after pass, looking just terrible. He was getting opportunities. I'll be playing some Robbie Anderson for just 4,800. Um, I, I think that he might be in a bounce back spot. Uh, really love the uh, Buccaneers receivers, particularly Chris Godwin at only 5,900 without Antonio Brown there. I feel like it's going to be more condensed to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans for the most part. Uh, so I like both of them. And then I'll be playing some Tyler Johnson. He's kind of the uh, pivot off of Rashad Bateman. Tyler Johnson uh, only projected for 3.8% ownership, but 5.5% boom, 6.6% optimal. Um, I, I mentioned that I like the Patriots in this spot. Somebody's going to put a points. I'm going to have some Jacoby Myers and some Nelson Aguilar. And then finally, uh, the Bears. I, I, I like Allen Robinson at just 5,100 against the Buccaneers pass funnel defense. I'll have some Allen Robinson and some Darnell Mooney. Uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts you want to share on any of those or anybody else you like? My bold prediction of the week, Jacoby Myers scores a touchdown. Jacoby Myers, who he's getting closer. He's thrown more touchdowns in his NFL career than he's actually caught touchdowns. Still sitting on zero career touchdowns. He caught one last week that, called, that got called back for a holding penalty, a bogus holding penalty. Should have gotten credited with that touchdown. But then he did also catch a two-point conversion later in the game. That's not quite a touchdown, but it's close to it. It's the same concept. I think that uh, Jacoby Myers, that's going to be a bold call for me of the week. Uh, Jacoby Myers scores his first career touchdown. So he is somebody in my current build that I'm overweight to the field on. I, uh, I dig it. I could get behind Jacoby Myers as well. Uh, let's move over to the tight ends now. And I think right away we have to start with Travis Kelsey because he is, as per usual, the most expensive tight end on the slate. He is the one with the most upside. He brings the most safety to the table. But we've also talked about liking Cooper Cup. We've, we've talked about you know some other expensive wide receivers we like. Do you think you're going to be able to spend up for Travis Kelsey in many of your lineups this weekend? Yeah, I think so. And as we mentioned, uh, Miko Hardman's going to be over-owned. So if you just pair Kelsey with Mahomes and just have the, you know, that be your stack, I feel like that is not going to be a hugely over-owned stack, despite both of the components of it being fairly high-owned. Yeah, no, I think I think that definitely makes sense, uh, especially to get some of the leverage off of uh, off of, off of Hardman and. Here's the way I've looked at Kelsey basically every week that he's been on main plates for forever. If I have the salary to get to him, it's a priority to do so. But I'm not going to force Travis Kelsey into my lineups if he's just not popping up in the optimizer and the salary constraints are an issue. So right now I have, let's see, a little under 20% Travis Kelsey. That's certainly a number I, I don't mind getting to. Uh, and then if we go down the pricing tier, guys like Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, uh, between the two of them, is there a secondary payup option at tight end that you prefer? I think it's Darren Waller for me. Um, he's only projected for 8.8% ownership, but 20.5% boom probability. That's just really good. Um, so yeah, I'll, it'll probably be more Darren Waller for me than Mark Andrews. But I like what you said about uh, pairing Andrews with Lamar Jackson being kind of contrarian. So I'll have some of both. Yeah, I think that is uh, totally sensible. I'm going to kind of try to make a priority for me to spend up at the tight end position, whether it be with uh, Waller, Andrews, or Kelsey. I think that that's going to be the majority of my tight end exposure kind of split, uh, spread out. If I am going cheap at tight end, the guy that I like the most is Dallas Goddard, just from a standpoint of he appears to have built up a pretty good rapport with Jalen Hurts, number one. Then number two, they traded Zach Ertz. So that's just one less guy has to compete with, with uh, for targets. Even though Ertz wasn't massively productive to open the season, he was taking a good amount of the targets away from Dallas Goddard. And I have to assume now that Ertz is out of the picture, 
Goddard's going to see an uptick in target share. Uh, are you getting to him for kind of some of the similar reasons? Yep, for the exact same reasons. I think that he's just going to get a few more targets, most likely. Um, and it's, you know, he's only 4,600. He's one of the guys that, you know, coming into the year, he was going pretty high in best ball. People were really expecting the Dallas Goddard breakout uh, because they thought Zach Ertz would be traded. Well, now Zach Ertz is traded. We get Dallas Goddard for cheap. So, yeah, I'll be taking some shots on Dallas Goddard. The other guy in that range, uh, Tyler Higby, I don't hate against the Lions. I'll have, I'll have plenty of Tyler Higby against the Lions as well. All right. Any other cheap tight ends that uh, really stand out for you? If not, uh, we could uh, give out our favorite punt defense of the slate, find your stack, and then head out of here. Yeah, I mean, Cole Komet is kind of interesting against the pass funnel Bucks defense, um, but that's about it for me. All right. So now for defenses, uh, I'm going to be punting a lot this weekend, at least in my initial build. I'm getting to a lot of the, believe it or not, the Giants at only 2,500, just because I think the salary savings they open up. Then the Giants defense a little bit, I think overlooked, they were really good last year. The Giants were one of the better defenses in the league by DVOA. And I think going forward, their defense should be more confident than it's been to this point. They're also going up against Carolina Panthers, who got off to a good start to the year. And Sam Donald's really sputtered the last couple of weeks. So the Giants defense, just because they're so cheap, they're making it into a lot of my lineups. And the Arizona Cardinals, they're also too cheap at a 3,100 price tag when you consider that they're going up against this just hapless Houston Texans defense. This should really be a Cardinals defense that is the most expensive on the slate on DraftKings. The salary doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, is there anything that you really like from the tight, from the uh, defense spot? Yeah, I like those calls. I also kind of like the Ravens against uh, Cincinnati just because Cincinnati, uh, their O-line is so bad that I feel like there are going to be opportunities there for some sacks, maybe some turnovers. So I'll, I'll throw the Ravens in the mix. Um, I also don't hate paying up for some of these defenses. Sometimes you can pay up to be contrarian with defense because um, I feel like optimizers love the really cheap defenses usually. Uh, so sometimes I really over project uh, the expensive defenses by kind of a lot to get there. Um, so I don't hate doing that with the, the Rams or Bucks this, this week either. All right. So now close this out, Neil. I said earlier, my favorite stack of the week is going to be Matt Stafford double stack with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But for you, close this out and tell us if you were playing one tournament lineup this weekend, who would be your stack? Oh man, that's really tough for me, but I guess I will go to, I'll go with, with my gut. I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown. Hope that AJ Brown's stomach has recovered enough to catch some passes. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Tannehill, Tannehill Brown. All right. That is going to do it for us, but guys stick around on the YouTube channel. We've got content all day. I'll be doing NBA content later. There's the NASCAR show, NBA deeper dive, NBA live before lock. So once again, guys, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and good luck this weekend.